Welcome back to the United Pubcast. And it's got to say, Manchester United, they've dropped some more points. That's one in six, unfortunately, over the last two games. But Manchester United, nil, a draw against Arsenal. Tom, look, I, I, let, we, 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 of course we'll get into the podcast, but on instant reflection, how do you feel after that result? Well, I've got sort of almost two different feelings, how I feel after the result and how I feel after the 4am wake-up call for the alarm, which is the, obviously one of our huge challenges here in Australia watching the games. But um, it's one of those ones, before the game you almost take a point, but then when again, you always say that before the game, but then when you see a game unfold and you see the chances that we do miss, you think it's just an empty feeling, a, a real case of what could have been. And I think if you look back at that result and... It would be a much valuable point if we had got the three points against Sheffield United, but having dropped the points against Sheffield United, this point is almost definitely two points dropped. I think. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and looking at the league table, United do currently sit in second, but with Leicester to play, uh, should they win, they will go above United into second position with us dropping into third. Um, but you know, I think in the context of the season, it's not a bad position to be in. I think all of us would have taken that. But anyway, let's talk about the actual match. So we saw United line up in much like the 4-2-3-1 that we have become familiar with under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, Pogba on the left, um, well, occupying that position at least, we thought it could potentially be a diamond. It looked very much so that he was in that winger position. Um, look, I would ask you what do you think of the formation, but we have seen this. Let's just go into the clutch moments of the match. It was a nil-all draw after all. The criticism of Marcus Rashford uh, with that shot that was taken, I think it was just on the brink of half-time. The ball's come into him. I've seen people about to shoot him for taking an excellent touch, in, in my opinion. How, how did you view that this opportunity in that link-up play? And do, do you have any criticism of Marcus Rashford? Look, his performance overall, I want to get into his performance, I thought he was extremely poor. But however, that chance, which is where a lot of his criticism is stemming from, I think he does absolutely brilliantly. Like, okay, I can understand a frustration when the ball first comes across. People say he should hit that first time. But the game moves so much slower on TV when we're watching from that camera angle. I'm telling you, if you on, on pitch side, if that ball comes firing across, that is so quick. Marcus Rashford actually does well to control the ball. So, okay, that's the first one. If you want to be super critical, say, okay, swing your left foot at it and hopefully that goes in. If, if not, first of all, he takes a fantastic touch to even control the ball. But then you look at the two chances where he doesn't shoot. First one, he pulls it back past the defender. Then the second one, Leno is there and he sort of does his little drag back. It's fantastic because if he shoots on either of those occasions, there is only one outcome. And this is not opinion, this is fact. If he shoots, it hits the defender. And the second time if he shoots, it hits Leno. It's physically impossible for him to score those two chances. So he does the right thing. He says, no, I can't score. No, I can't score. Then he ends up looking for a better pass. Okay, it's unfortunately 10 metres away from goal. However, Bruno does get a shot away and wins the foul. So that incident where he got so much criticism, if you look back at it and be be honest with yourself, if you ever played the game, it's absolutely brilliant play by Marcus Rashford. Now, it's almost the only brilliant thing he did because I thought he was, I wouldn't say woeful, but I thought he was extremely poor again today. But the -the over-the-top criticism for that specific incident, I thought, was way over the top. I do agree with you. The, the only the only criticism, it's not even a criticism, the only alternative I felt he could have had was to take that shot one time, but 
looking at it on replay, that ball was not a smooth pass across the grass. It was bouncing and bobby, and I, I think it that ball, he would have done really well to get it on target, let alone get the finish off, should he have taken it first time. So I'm with you. I think it was brilliant first touch. And look, at the end of the day, we have to remember there are two sides to a, team, to a game of football, and Arsenal's defence did well to scramble back. So limited criticism of Rashford there. Where there is criticism, however, was the other clear-cut opportunity. And again, on the brink of full-time, We've now got Edison Cavani. I think it was Bruno plays the ball in. Edison, five yards out. You think he's going to eat that up. He shoots it wide. Um, And it just shows, you know, we've seen Martial been dropped for his lack of brilliance or lack of finishing up front this season. It just shows starting the season veteran isn't a guarantee for a goal, is it? Yeah, I think it's hard. The reaction definitely would be different. If that was Rashford or Martial who missed those chances, 100% their reaction would be a lot more abusive, which we have seen in terms of the treatment of, unfortunately, of Rashford, Martial, and Tu and Xavier in recent days. But, but that type of chance, it's almost—it's just so instinctive. And Cavani is such an instinct type of player. We're just sort of accustomed to those sort of chances being buried, like the two chances against Southampton type thing. Like that, they come to mind. But this one again, he doesn't try to weigh him. He doesn't try to do anything. It's just an instinct. And unfortunately, this time, it's just gone wide. I don't think he doesn't really do anything wrong. It's just it's just unfortunate because you expect when that ball comes across, you say, well, that's what Cavani does. Cavani scores there, and I think it's just disappointing. I think maybe he should take a little bit more care with it, but because um, it was always going off target. I think we did win the corner. It goes down as a Leno save, but that means it was missing the target anyway. So, look, I'm not going to go over the top with the criticism of Cavani because I feel he contributes so much more than the other two up front. But yeah, it's disappointing when, you, as you mentioned, those sort of clutch moments when you do need the ball to nestle in the back of the net. You do count on strikers like Cavani, unfortunately. I thought his play today was fine, but you don't pay him to be fine. You pay him to score goals, and unfortunately, um, didn't step up today. Yeah, a disappointing performance, but you know what? It sums up United's game overall, doesn't it? It was just one of those where we weren't brilliant, but we had our opportunities. And unfortunately, when you only have a few handful of opportunities, you, you know, you have to be clinical, and we just weren't today. I think that's but where, where the. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's where you look at yeah. where Solskjaer's coming for criticism, or the whole team's come in for criticism for the performance or the approach or whatever you want to call it. If you look at it and say, if Edison Cavani's angle of his foot is different and the cross comes in and he buries that and we win 1-0, we're having a far different discussion and we're saying what a tactical masterclass he got the team selection spot on. Cavani is a fantastic striker. Bruno was fantastic with another assist. All because of the angle of foot for Cavani. Just in that split second over a 90-minute game, a millisecond, the angle of his foot changes our whole interpretation of how the game panned out. Yeah, I mean, look, I do agree with you there, but where the players did earn their money, I felt, was in defence. I thought Arawan Basaka had a really good performance, but I want to put credit on Harry Maguire because he's criticised like no other player I've seen, particularly in the last 18 months. Um, you know, I just feel like, yes, he, he definitely had a dip-off, particularly on the return to football at the back end of last season, and I feel like that's just sort of set the standard for Harry Maguire, but i got to say, I thought he played really well today. And that last-ditch effort to save Pepe's shot, that was going in 100%. Um, you know, we discussed it. De Gea was wrong-footed. And I thought, actually, the captain did put in a good performance today. 
I think not just today. I think in recent weeks he's been very good. Um, whoever he's partnered, yeah. You see, we sort of stand out. Lindelof's improved a little bit when Bay's come in. Bay has looked good, but the one sort of constant has been Harry Maguire. And again, look, it's not a. It's unfortunate his goal midweek sort of amounts to nothing. But if we end up getting the comeback victory there, we're looking at a real captain's goal and a captain's performance there. And, and again today, um, look, we're obviously very frustrated with the nil all draw. But at the end of the day, Arsenal are a good team and Arsenal have very good attackers to go there and keep a clean sheet. Um, you can't ask for too much more from the defenders. I think we can ask for a little bit more when they're played out from the back, um, whether that be an individual thing or a sort of a collective thing at the back um, that definitely needs some work on. But defensively, yeah, I thought Harry Maguire and Lindelof will get in the 3 2 ones later. I'm not sure if we're. I'll be definitely throwing either Lindelof or Maguire in there, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. Can I ask you, in the context of the match, uh, we saw that uh, Scott McTominay had come off, Martial came on, and I thought United in the first half actually had more of the ascendancy. Um, I felt with Pogba dropping deeper once Martial came on, United did seem to forfeit a bit of momentum and that being on the ball uh, in, in the second half. How did you perceive that switch? And do you agree with me on United losing the ascendancy of the match when Pogba dropped deeper? Well, I think it's something that won't stand out, but, but I was watching the match really carefully in that first 15 minutes, and people will forget this, and he, he wasn't creating chances or bombing forward or anything, but I was watching McTominay, and he was brilliant. He never gave the ball away once from my I was waiting. I was looking forward to seeing the stats at half-time. So was, every time I saw him have the ball, it was just made a very good, completed pass, and I was thinking, he's having a good game, and then obviously he felt sick and unfortunately had to come off. So there posed the, sort of, the situation for Solskjaer on what did he do. Uh, look, I could see what he was trying to do, and it was probably quite clever thinking, because my first instinct was, okay, just throw Matic on. Uh, it didn't really cross my mind to think, well, you can actually throw a winger on and drop Pogba in it. Just I wasn't thinking about that. So fair play to the coaching staff for sort of seeing that. But again, I think the issue with that, and I know you're a fan of him, but I don't think the, I don't think the answer is bringing an out-of-form Anthony Martial on. I think in the last 10 minutes you could do that, but do pretty much, I wouldn't say give him a full game, but it's, it's very hard. You're almost playing a full game when you come on in the first half. And um, if he was going to sort of take Pogba out of that wide role, I would have been looking at maybe maybe shifting Rashford to the left and bringing Dan James on, on the right-hand side if you're going to drop Pogba back into midfield. Are you worried about United's run-in for the remainder of the season? Because as we saw today, Edison Cavani, good player, but... No guarantee to put the balls in the back of the net. Anthony Martial's in a terrible run of form. I have to say, it's probably the worst I've seen him play since he's joined Manchester United. Marcus Rashford, while he's been our, you know, without penalties, our leading goal scorer from open play, his overall performances haven't been great. Mason Greenwood hasn't had a very consistent season. Do you worry about our run-in for the remainder of the season and the lack of goals? Well, at the moment, Sid, here, I'd say no. The main reason being is because we are... Well, look, results-wise suggest we have been in very good form. I've got to take away the last two games. But overall, we have been in extremely good form. But as you say, when you break down individual performances over the season, you think, well, the players haven't really been in great form. As a, as a team, it's sort of clicking. But individually, you're thinking, well, pretty much every single player can improve. Even the likes of Rashford, who scored so many goals. Even Bruno Fernandes, who's contributed so much. We questioned his performances pretty much every week, thinking, well, he wasn't actually that good today. But then I sit here and say, well, with those points on the board and then us not being too good, well, hopefully we can improve. And then if we do improve, well, 
okay, we're not going to sort of start joking about the title again, but as you say, we're in third position now, or second position now, likely to be the third position. I think we've almost got a pretty good platform to build on, I think. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, it's just, you know, it is something that does cross your mind. But, look, you're right. It's two games of football. But, you know, should we struggle against Southampton midweek? Maybe we'll have to revisit this conversation. All right, Tom, it's the three two ones. Are you ready for that? be a tricky one. Well, at least we don't have to scrape the bottom of the barrel like the Sheffield United one the other day. But um, I think it's an easy three points for me, I think. All right, please. I think surely it's got to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I thought... Not even defensive. I thought defensively was very good. I know he gave away one or two fouls, but you've got to do that against good players. But I thought defensively it almost looked like the Aaron Wan-Bissaka of last season. But even going forward, and I know he's not so aesthetically pleasing going forward, but even today I thought he was doing the right things. He wasn't actually losing the ball going forward. And sometimes it's frustrating you think, well, you'd like a Tellez to whip that ball in, in behind or Trent Alexander-Arnold to sort of spray a crossfield pass. So it, w- it wasn't good to watch. But there was no mistakes going forward. He's always finding his pass, even one or two crosses. I think, did he provide the cross for Cavani's chance later, later on as well? Uh, I can't recall, you know. I think so. That one where Cavani and Martial, or Cavani sort of hit a little bit of a volley. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was off Yeah, Bissaka's I'm, I'm confident that was one Bissaka. And, um, yeah, I, I thought just, especially defensively, I just thought, because it's going to be a big test away at Arsenal. Like, we throw so much banter about about the position they find themselves in. The fact are they're a good club, big club with very good players. And um, I thought they, I wouldn't say they targeted him, but um, he dealt with Martinelli in the first half, I thought, quite well, because he's a dangerous player. Yeah, and um, yeah, for sure. There's just so many tackles where he just looked like one Bissaka of last season where we have questioned him this season. Yeah, look, no debate from me. Um, I agree with the three points. I was just wondering, I thought maybe you might have gone Harry Maguire, but... No, I'm definitely with you. I think Wan-Bissaka was really good. And I actually thought I was pretty happy with him going forward today. All right, two points. Um, look, I, I want to stay in the defense. I actually thought, again, Harry Maguire, I thought he was really good. Um, look, I know it didn't happen in the final third and goals are what we come to see. But, you know, Arsenal didn't score either. So I think uh, credit where it's due. And like we said, that Pepe goal, that that could have been a clean sheet loss for United, but the captain got it got a foot to it, and I think it deserve it of the two points in that case. Yeah, Lacazette, Lacazette's having quite a good season, especially performance wise. He's almost that player. Almost you look at Liverpool, how Firmino's pretty much their main player, but he doesn't get the plaudits because you got Mane and Salah scoring other goals either side of him. I think Lacazette has yeah, scored a few goals this season, but I think his performances have been sort of critical to Arsenal's sort of return to form. Aubameyang is the one who sort of plays out wide, but Lacazette's been a bit of a focal point from what I've seen. And, um, yeah, I think when a player is in that form, um, you do need his back four to step up, and who better than sort of the man in the middle, the captain. And, yeah, it wasn't a standout performance. I'd almost have him and Lindelof on par. I thought Lindelof was very good as well. I'd say fine as well. But um, I think Harry Maguire was involved in a lot of things. As you say, that last-ditch tackle, um, he had a battle once or twice with a few of the players, which you do need in a tight game like that. So, <laughs> look, it's not yeah. a man-of-the-match performance, but in terms of it wasn't a standout performance by anyone, um, he's probably in there with, with a shout for two points. All right, so we'll give it to Captain Maguire. And do we slip Lindelof in for the one point? I think there's been a equal praise on this podcast for the Swede. 
Look, for me, he would. Um, a lot of people are just looking at the Facebook comments, which we'll go into in a little bit. Um, Maguire and Lindelof's name aren't even there, so we've obviously viewed the game differently to the listeners. But um, I think it's hard. No one in that front three would. I thought I thought Bruno and Pogba, again, were good, fine today. But again, when you're paying that sort of money, and I don't want to bring money into it, but you do need more from those players in terms of what we want to, what, what you want to achieve out of 90 minutes and what you want to achieve over the season. Okay, it's good being fine, but you do need a little bit more. So I think the points do sort of naturally fall towards the back end. Look, a lot of people gave Luke Shaw a lot of praise. I know we've been extremely critical of him on this podcast, but I thought Shaw defensively was fine here today. I just thought Luke Shaw was... I don't know how to term it. I, thought, I just thought he was lazy in attack. I thought so many times, especially when we are playing out from the back, I thought Luke Shaw just could have put... Five or ten media, ten yard sprint to get back into position to get his body position right. So when Maguire did play him, he was facing the right way. But Luke Shaw's so slow to get into position sometimes when we play out from the back. How often do you see De Gea have a goal kick? He plays it short to Maguire or Lindelof. Then the next pass is to Luke Shaw, who controls it on his right foot, facing his own corner flag. And I just think we <laughs> play ourselves into so much trouble. It all could be prevented if Luke Shaw just put the five yards in. But when De Gea is placing the ball. Put a five-yard sprint in, get in position so you're facing the right way. And, look, I think Luke Shaw on the ball and defensively looked quite quite good. But in terms of, I think, his impact with his sort of lack of movement off the ball at times, I thought he created a lot of problems for us, especially playing out from the back. So, um, for that reason, a bit of a Luke Shaw rant there, but for that reason, I'd probably lean towards Lindelof over Luke Shaw for a point. Yeah, I'm with you. I've seen, I've seen some credit given to Fred, but... Look, Fred always gives you work rate, right? Um, I just think what a midfielder is meant to bring to a football match, like uh, definitely I recognize his work rate, but work rate's not enough. You know, you, you need to bring a little bit more to the plate and or to the field in this case, but I just didn't feel there was enough from that midfield. And if someone said to you, yes, I know you say you don't want to talk about money, but in the case of Fred and Pogba, if someone said to you, that's a $150 million, uh, $150 million pound midfield playing, I don't think that their performances were th- of that caliber today. Yeah. Um, all right, Tom. Well, you've said we're clearly watching a different match to those in the comments, so I'll let you run through those. We'll get in. I think a lot of people do have one Bissaka as being in the match, but we'll go through everyone's three two ones on Facebook. We've got Dave over in Perth says one Bissaka for three points, two points for Luke Shaw, and one for De Gea. De Gea, one of the few that just did his job like we expect. Great save to deny ML Smith Rowe. George has gone three points for Luke Shaw, two for Fred, and one for Aaron Wambasaka. Emma has gone three for Wambasaka, two for Shaw, one for Fred. Vin has gone three for Shaw, two for AWB, and one for Fred. Dylan goes three points for Wambasaka, two for Fred, and one for Shaw. And Robert also goes three for Shaw, two for Wambasaka, and one for Fred. And again, Luke Shaw, I think, on the ball, look, good it was an outlet, and he, he is providing that type of energy going forward and he's sort of adding a little bit quality on the ball. I just think that there could be more and maybe I'm overly critical of Luke Shaw but I just think he prevents so many problems around him. I think when he gets the ball he's fine but there's so many other little things that sort of I would say his laziness in a bad way but he could just do that 5% more which would make the jobs around him a lot easier. Um, but look, maybe I have to watch the game again which I'm definitely not going to do for a nil or draw but maybe Luke Shaw was better than I thought. 
Yeah, look, I don't think Shaw was horrible, but I just think he could put on put in a little bit more. Every criticism I've had of Shaw on this podcast has been about his effort. It's not about his ability because when he's bothered, he can put in a cross and he can definitely put in a shift. The issue is it's not on a consistent enough basis. And he's at an age now where, how old is Luke Shaw? He's still young, you know, in relatively football years, yeah. 24, 25. I th- I think like, he's people, not even at his peak years. I think a lot of people distinguish work rate as a defensive thing in terms of closing down and tracking back. But I'm telling you, after playing the game, so much of the important work rate is when your team has the ball and making runs that you know will have no impact on your team scoring a goal, but still the right thing to help help your teammate, to help give an option where you're not maybe not going to get the pass, but you're going to create an angle where that will bring a defender out, which will create a little bit more space for someone else. Or as I say, when we're playing out from the back, just an extra 10-yard sprint to get into position early so you're facing the right way and you're not having to receive the ball on your weaker foot facing the wrong way. And it's it's hard to do those type of runs when you have the ball at the other end of the pitch where you know your decision won't impact on a goal. So it, it's hard to think, well, what's the point of doing this run if we're not going to score from it? Okay, so I think that work rate I want from him isn't so much a defensive thing. It's from an attacking point of view. I just need him to give that. And this is across the board. This is for everyone. So I don't want to single out Luke Shaw completely. But I'm, I, I see it from Luke Shaw too often. And um, I just want to see that. It's only 5 or 10% extra, but I think we do need that from him. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. All right, Tom, let's look ahead, mate. So we've got Southampton midweek, um, who have had a pretty good season, you have to say. A um, little bit of mixed fortune recently. I think they had a loss this morning. But for United, what what do you want to see? It's so easy to say, right? You, we've, we've chopped and changed a little bit, but it's at home. United will have the ascendancy. What changes would you make or what changes do you anticipate Solskjaer will make in this match? I've no idea what he'll make. or uh, No, not even an idea what I would do, really. I'm trying to think about it now. Um, it's hard... What works, what doesn't Martial, work. Cavani, what do, you, what do you do there? I think that's the most concerning area of the pitch. What, what do you do? Look, I can't reward uh, Martial by putting him back in. I just don't think his performance warranted at the moment. And again, the only way you can get him out of that bad form is to play him and hopefully he scores goals and performs well. But um, he's just not doing it at the moment. And yes, the, the misses from Cavani this morning were very frustrating. But look, he's a proven goal scorer and... He is contributing to the team. He is working hard, where we can't say that about Martial. So, look, Cavani definitely plays for me. I think from an attacking point of view, look, in recent months I've called for Rashford to play on the right. But what I see from him on the right now, he just looks quite limited. I think if you're going to drop Martial, I wouldn't mind just then saying, just go back to basics. Cavani up front, Rashford, do your attributes. Do what your attributes suited on the left. Go down the left, cut in on your right foot, and try and score a goal that way. So... And I think Mason Greenwood, I'm not so calling for Mason Greenwood to start, but I think he's starting to get his foot. just starting to look a little bit more mature. He's maybe, I don't know if it's a physical thing, but the last couple of times he's come on, I think he's looked a little bit more comfortable than what he has in recent weeks. So, again, overall, I think that's probably two attacking a front three. I don't like Rashford defending, and I don't like Greenwood defending in those wide areas. I know I'm very basic, I like one matter or Dan James in that situation, which I know is not going to happen, or a lot of people won't agree with me. But in terms of an attacking point of view, and Southampton are a good team, so I think it will be quite open. An attacking point of view, I do like that front three, Greenwood, Cavani, Rashford. But again, it sometimes when we put a team that looks good on paper, they're the types of games that we sort of really suffer from from a defensive point of view. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a difficult one. Uh, I think Eric Bailly does come in. I think that's one that I can say confidently. And I know that sounds nuts because we, we've been praising our defence um, for a majority of this podcast. But I think, I, I believe that Solskjaer is looking at Lindelof and Bailly. And correct me if you don't agree with this, that he's, he's using Eric Bailly in the games where we are playing at Old Trafford because he knows that's where United's more prone to the counter-attack and perhaps you need Bailly's pace. Whereas it's those sides where, you know, the Arsenals or the or the so on, the the quote unquote big six or a side who you know will have more possession. I feel like that's where he's more relying on Lindelof because he's perhaps a little more composed. Do you see it the same way? Well, look, Solskjaer, I'm sure when he sits down with Carrick and Feel and they're going through every every single scenario and every fitness regime and every strength of the opposition, and that's how they're choosing their starting eleven. So I'm sure they're going into enormous detail. Just from the outlook, though, I'm looking at it and thinking it's almost quite simple what I feel Solskjaer is doing. He can't quite pick. I don't think it's a game-by-game basis in terms of Lindelof or Bay. I'm just thinking, well, we've got to rotate them eventually, so when can we rotate them? Harry Maguire's my man. I need Lindelof and Bay both to play to remain match fit in case one gets injured. But I don't know who to pick, so I'm thinking, okay, there's an FA Cup game here, so I'm going to play one in this game so I can play the other in the FA Cup and vice versa. And I'm not sure how much... Which I'm positive, but would Solskjaer is sort of providing a lot of thought behind his reasoning for picking each player. But in terms of that Bay and Lindelof one, I just don't see a, a sort of a rhythm behind the selection. Okay, I'm not saying okay, Bay's playing this game because of this. It's almost well, Lindelof's going to play this game, so but okay, Bay, here's your 90 minutes here. So it would be good to get Solskjaer on the podcast and get his thoughts on how he picks his back four. Yeah, but I mean, look, it's good to know that we do have options. Um, I, I'm, I do agree with Ari Martial. I think with his, and you know I love him, but I can't defend him, you know. He's in a horrible patch of form. I think for him to get his position back, he needs to come off the bench and just prove himself when he gets an opportunity to come on, score a goal or, you know, provide an assist. Do something to get the manager to start considering you again because at the moment he's just he's firing blanks. Tom, is there anything else you want to cover up uh, before we sort of wrap up? Because I don't know about you, but I'm freaking tired after that 4 a.m. Well, I didn't actually wake up at 4 a.m., I must admit. But I did... Well, can I say, let let me run you through my morning. I did wake up, the alarm went off, and then I just said, I'm going back to bed. And then I just did my best to stay away from my phone and watch the game first thing in the morning. Well, you missed the highlight of the day. It wasn't the senior game down at the Emirates. It was Man United Liverpool in the under-23s and Ahmad Diallo um, tore it up, scored scored the first goal of the game and scored a Penenka penalty as well. So um, look what we just said here. Well, that is something to talk about. Do you think he gets an opportunity in the first team prior to the season concluding? Look, I watch a fair bit of the game. And again, it's under-23s football, so you can't write too much into it, but... He looks rapid. He looks quick. Like, and it's not just a quick, like, you know, Marcus Rashford is quick over 100 metres. Like, when he gets his legs going, he's quick. Or Dan James is quick. This guy just looks off the mark. Like, over two, three metres is just lightning quick. Like, I remember when we saw Usain Bolt play here in Australia, fastest man alive. His biggest weakness was he was the slowest man on the pitch because he just couldn't get running. Like, because how, how far is an average sprint in football? It's probably five, six, ten metres sort of thing. And Usain Bolt needs that 30, 40 metres to get going. So Usain Bolt, I had play, I had mates who I used to play against. They had a few games against him when he was here. And they said, yeah, but the weird thing was, he was so slow, <laughs> which is quite hard to think about with Usain Bolt. And I'm, I don't know how I got into Usain Bolt and Ahmad Diallo comparison, but 
from the well, half, football speed, right? From, you need to go with the ball. Yeah, from the half an hour I watched, he was look not brilliant in terms of a quality point of view, but just an excitement. And again, scoring two goals away at Liverpool. Um, again, okay, it's under twenty threes football, but I'll take it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Can we just say if we keep having issues at striker, I think Hugo might get an opportunity. Isn't he seventeen and he's playing in the under twenty three, scoring four goals? He's, Pretty he's impressive. Young. They picked him up from City, I think. And um, yeah, look, yeah, it, it, it could be that case because you always look at Man United. And every year there is always a player that comes through. Last couple, of, last year was Greenwood, or the year before was Scott McTominay or Brandon Williams. A couple of years ago, it was obviously Marcus Rashford. There is always a sort of a one player in one position that comes through. And this season, again, it's such a unique season, which I think is a huge reason for it. But there's no one coming through. There's no one on sort of the verge of making their debut. I'm sure there was one or two sort of in the Champions League, or maybe there will come a time in the Europa League. But no one where there's that buzz around, OK, when's he going to get his debut sort of thing. Maybe that is Amad Diallo. Unfortunately, he cost 30 or £40 million, pounds, so it's not exactly the same thing. Look, I know, I know what you mean in terms of it's frustrating now with Cavani missing. I'd be shocked if Hugo gets anywhere near the first team bench this season. But yeah, you never know. I say it tongue in cheek, but like I gotta say, um, I I did see the highlights and he just he 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 definitely is a pure striker. Like he seems to have that more natural striker element to his game compared to say a Mason Greenwood who I don't feel yes I'm, his finishing ability is obviously an elite level but Mason's not quite comfortable back to goal as yet in his career whereas Hugel just looks like the more natural striker I still think it's hard the um, one I remember and you mentioned that sort of back to goal striker and textbook number nine I don't want to get too yeah. excited because I did think James Wilson was going to um, become the next Alan Shearer Oh, didn't we all? <laughs> you know what? I don't think it's crazy to say he could have been. I just think injuries ruined his career. I really do. Oh, yeah. No, he's a good player. I remember he came in under Van Hal a fair bit and played some big games under Van Hal. I remember he started against Liverpool when we beat them 3-0. And um, so Van Hal obviously saw something in him and he did perform well. Just one of those ones where performing well doesn't matter. You do need that little bit of luck, which unfortunately he didn't get. But just on just yeah. one last point in regards to the youth system, which we haven't forgot, we touched on on the last podcast. But um, now it's confirmed. Jesse Lingard to West Ham. He plays tonight against Liverpool, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love him to score a goal. I know he's been firing blanks for about 18 to two years, eighteen months to two years. But if he can go there and have a good performance. Solskjaer's comments around Lingard were interesting as well. But in saying that, he did say um, Alexis Sanchez would come back and prove everyone all wrong. And So, yeah. Uh, look, I think that's it for Lingard. I think we've seen the last of him in a Manchester United shirt. Do you tend to agree, irrespective of how he performs? Yeah, I think we've both discussed it on the podcast that it's right for both parties to um, sort of move on. It'd be good for his career and yeah, United do need, I don't mean this in a bad way, but United do need better overall. So unfortunately his career is elsewhere. I think West Ham's, look, I think West Ham's, it's a, sort of, it's a bit of a mess of a club. I know they're having a good season now, but in terms of the size and stature of the club, I think it's a good club for Jesse Lingard. But um, I'm sort of, I wouldn't say disappointed, but the reaction to his loan move sort of sickens me a little bit in terms of he's getting flooded with all these sort of tribute messages and good luck, Jesse, go on, hope you do well, this and that, always a red, blah, 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 from the exact same people who have been giving him pelters of abuse for the last two years. Yeah, that's a football fan for you. Ten-minute memories, mate, that's how it works. Well, 90-minute memory, I should say. It's more in the context of every football match, you know. I've seen I've seen uh, Marcus Rashford called 
you know, world class, and I've seen him called Trashford all in the space of two weeks. Happens. Anyway, I think that's a good place to leave the podcast. Another good one, as always. I think that was more entertaining than the nil or draw. What do you think? Look, for a nil or draw, I assume for a neutral, the nil or draw was probably actually quite a decent one. Usually you get those nil or draws and you think, oh God, there's 90 minutes, I'll never get back. But um, I thought for a nil or draw, on another day, that could have been a two-all draw, at least a one-all draw. So, look, yes, ultimately you're not going to go back and watch the highlights of it, but it was a decent game. Obviously, you wouldn't know. you I've seen your commitment to your sleep and 4.30 said, no, I'm going back to bed. But some of us do make the effort. Ah, uh, well, you know, mate. Uh, just, I'd rather sleep. Forgive me. It's my Sunday. All right. Well, we'll leave the podcast there. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to give us a like, a share and do subscribe, you know, subscribe, stay tuned because we love it when our fans interact with us and we're pretty responsive. You know, we enjoy a good old chat. Tom's been flooding the inbox. I have a look in there and got 10 new friends. So there you go. Tom, pleasure as always, mate. I guess we'll chat after the Southampton match. Hopefully, hopefully three points because if it keeps going this way, it's going to get quite negative quite quickly. No, fingers crossed. Wednesday night, three points. Love it. Cheers.